Peace. This is Sharon Shabazz. You're listening to the RealHipHop.com podcast. On this episode, I talk to Philadelphia MC Zilla Rocca. Zilla released one of the best albums of 2021 titled Vegas Vic. Vegas Vic is a no-nonsense album that simply delivers dope beats and dope rhymes. In this episode, Zilla Rocca talks about the Wu-Tang Clan member that inspired his latest release, how millennials have remixed religion, and his new album, Vegas Vic. What's the meaning behind the title of the new album, Vegas Vic? Ooh, great question, my friend. Um, it's funny. I was just talking to Carly Castro about this today where it was just the name of the song at first, which was the title cut, and then it ended up later on tying into the progression of all our careers, meaning it's really about betting on yourself. It's really about doubling down and going for it and just being unabashedly you. You know what I mean? So all of the things in the past that all of us were doing separately or together and people weren't checking for telling us like, why do you do that? Why don't you do this instead? Why don't you rhyme like this? Why don't you wear this? <laughs> it's like all of those decisions helped all of us find each other and wrecking crew, you know, with prime rock and small pro me and Curly Castro. And all of us now are getting you know, like more visibility and more you know, fans and more connects than ever. By literally just ignoring all that shit and just, <laughs> you know, hoping the audiences would catch up. So I think this album, when I was making it, I was just making a bunch of joints. I was just like getting fire beats from people and uh, making songs. And then when I came across that name, I was just like, this has to be the name of the record. And then that helped us. That helped us. Once we had that name, it helped us, you know, pick the imagery, you know, and like the the Casino Vegas you know, slot machine look. Um, but I don't rap about that. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's no songs about like hit you with the Royal flush. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not, that's not really what it's about. What it's really about is, you know, saying like we're doubling down on ourselves and you know, like from the track listing to working with Chong wizard again, it's like, you know, we're, we're not, we're not, we're all of us. We're just not waiting anymore for someone else to like reach down to the water and like save us. Because we were doing that for a long time, all of us. And uh, thinking it was going to be, you know, this guy or this situation or this show or this label. And uh, so this, this record is really about, in retrospect, after I finished it, it's really, that's what it's really about. So the, the title just kind of steered it into that place unknowingly. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's basically betting on yourself. That's it, man. Wow. How much time do you think went by waiting for somebody else to make the connection for you? 2005 to 2019. It's like 14 years of just hoping, you know what I mean? Cause we come from that world of, Oh, I gotta get a deal. You know what I mean? Or, this this show I'm doing tonight. What if there's like an A and R there? Like, what if there's like, oh, there's like a semi popping person. Like, maybe they'll see my set and then want me to roll with them. Or like, 
when I do a random verse on this person's album that no one cares about, but like, what if someone finds it and decides to put me on? And so even though my, my credo was always like super indie and do it yourself. I had a lot of brushes with major labels early on in my career when I was younger and thinking like, you know, I wanted to be deaf jokes and I wanted to be in charge of my own destiny but at the same time, I wanted someone to be like, don't get a job, like sign to Columbia Records with us. That would be awesome. So uh, even even like in the last 10 years, we were brushing up against a lot of dudes we knew that were like taken off. And we thought like, oh, they'll just ask us to be on tour with them or they'll put us on their next big record or they'll, their man at the label, they'll hear us and then want to put us on. And that just kept not happening. Like, <laughs> so... It wasn't like something we were consciously saying out loud to each other, but it was like a quiet expectation and a hope and like, I really hope this happens. So once we hit to, like I said, like 2019 or so, that's when it was just like, yo, that's not happening anymore. All those people are gone. They moved on. They're either aware of us or not. Who cares? Like we're, we're going to do what just we want to do. And that's that. And then once we started just moving like that, it's like organically, slowly but surely, you know, like the uh, the overnight success that took 10 years. It's kind of like that, you know what I mean? So I would say it was a long time of like hoping and wishing and all of these things that would just fall through or there's a lot of that, you know what I mean? Whereas now it's just kind of like when you stop chasing it, it's kind of just starts like appearing in ways you can't really predict versus like thinking about it all the time or like every person you meet, you're trying to like finagle that into something, you know what I mean? It's like, it's exhausting. So when it's just really about creating and doing things that you like and connecting with people, you know, that's really it. Like that's, that's what, that's what's been true for us at least in the last, you know, two, three years. Okay. I feel like quietly you dropped one of the best albums of 2021 um the production the lyrics the hooks everything's on point um Thanks, man. you're welcome did you have a different mindset going into this album than previous albums 100 percent. like this one was I, I mean when i started i was just kind of bored because i had a lot of records finished or i was in between stuff and i was just watching all my friends like getting busy and staying active and i was like well i'm just not gonna sit here like what else am i gonna do and so when I started making it, I was just kind of like, where do I want to go with this? Like, you know, I, I did 96 mentality. We were doing, um, we were in the process of doing like the career crooks record, me and small pro to second album, which is coming out this year or early next year. Um, me and Sean wizard were working me and Ray West were working. And I was just like, I want to be, I want to be the person, you know, picking everything. Like I, I love all those dudes immensely, but I also like pride myself in being a producer and a part of being a producer isn't necessarily like sitting there with the drum machines and pulling the records. You know what I mean? Like sitting there with a producer is also like the vision of the record, you know what I mean? And then who can fill what spots and what do we want to do? So it's like almost like being like a project manager, which I really love to do for me and for anybody else. So for this album, I was really going for like 96 Iron Man Ghostface vibes. Like that's what I was chasing because that's my favorite album in the history of music. So, um, I just kept thinking like, what would, you know, like what's special about that album? And to me, it's like, it, it stands alone, whether you, you pick Supreme clientele instead of it, or I don't know, bulletproof wallets or something. 
there's something about that album. There's like a raw energy that's really not anywhere else in the Wu canon. So I was I was stepping to people saying like that's what I wanted. You know, like producers. I was like, give me the '96 Ghostface pack. And then all my friends I was getting the record. I'm like, I need you to go for like you got energy on this or like Raekwon energy. And that was like the edict, but not saying like rap like that or like give me a RZA beat. It was like whatever you interpret that to mean, that's what I want out of you. When I say those words to you, I'm not going to say like give me Kame or give me Kappa on Winter Wars. It was like I think I think all of us who are around for that know what that means to say like Iron Man. <laughs> so I was just giving people that leeway to then send things back to me. Or I would request things specifically to say, like, this is what I want. So even when we were arranging the rec- record, when I, was, I was trying to, like, line it up as best as I could with Iron Man. And we made, like, a lot of changes, actually. And um, it was, like, definitely, like, pretty Tony moments, too. Cause, <coughs> excuse me. I love that album deeply. So as we started getting deeper into it, I'm like, okay, it doesn't need to be specifically, like, Iron Man energy. It could be, like, pretty Tony energy, which is, like, playful and soulful and, like, old school energy to it and like really warm and cool and stories. But I also wanted like the Iron Man edginess of like a lot of the same people are going to show up. You know what I mean? So that was, that was kind of like the, the, the breadcrumbs I was planning for myself and others to follow for this story. Why Iron Man? Like why is Iron Man your favorite album ever? You know, it's weird. Like I was, I remember getting it, I think it came out like October 96. I didn't get it till Christmas Eve. And when I played it, I just, there was something about that. Like he wasn't like my favorite guy in Woo, you know, at the time. No, I was like a Method Man guy, like most people were early on. And then we all took turns like, oh, Jizz is my guy or Dirty's my guy or Raekwon's my guy. Um, I don't know what it was. Like it was something about that album where it was just like, there's sounds on it. Like even me making beats for almost 20 years, like, I'm attracted to the beats. I don't know what sound it is. Like, is that a sample? Is it live? Is it a guitar? Is it an organ? So there's a lot of that in the beats. And then, you know, Ray and Ghost and Cap, but like, it's, it reminds me of like the first episode of The Wire when like you turn that show on and they're already like so deep into like this Baltimore drug dealer cop world of like their own lingo and slang. And like, they keep adding on all these things and they don't care if you get it or not. They're like, if you're into it, stay with us. If not, we don't care. So to me, like Iron Man, when I listened to that record back, I had 80% of what they said. I had no clue what the hell was going on because it was so removed from my day-to-day life as a kid. Like I was like 14 when that dropped, but it was like so fantastical with, with the, with the slang and the confidence and the energy. And so over time, when I was just be like, man, like that's just the album I just always want to listen. Like it never gets tiring to me or bored, and it also doesn't sound like any other album from '96. Like when you step back, you're like, it doesn't sound like Hell on Earth. It doesn't sound like, you know, The Coming or The Score or even like Cuban Links. It's very different from Cuban Links. Um, so it's it's an album that if you would have told me that came out in '90. 7 2001 like you I be, I would believe you I'd be like okay sure I guess I mean all that I got is you that that could come out now like that doesn't sound dated in any way so I think like that album has a timeless element but it also has just kind of like this 
this energy and color to it that I don't think, I think that's kind of what I was chasing was like this colorfulness and this, this, this energy of like urgency, but also like being vulnerable because ghost is like the master of that. And that's the beginning of him just, you know, opening up more like wildflower to a very profane degree. <laughs> Excuse me. And then all that I got is you obviously. So there's moments on my album where I do that too. Um, but then there's moments like Kame, you know, he was like super charming and still kind of raw, but kind of like gentlemanly. So I think there's a lot in our album to pull apart. And then you have like Ray and Kappa. And I just felt like it was very, it's kind of like everything you need in Woo in one album to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. I prefer that over Supreme clientele. Nice. Now, most people don't. Um, mm. I think it's just better produced, but mm. um, I saw them on tour for that album. And it was very strange because he was, he wore the mask the whole time. <laughs> like not, not like the uh, stocking. It was like a ski mask and he just didn't seem into it. And interesting. Yeah. Like common open for them and common was like 10 times better, he, but you know, Chicago wow. too. You know what I mean? Like, Wow. It, it, it was Chicago, and he was in the middle. Mm-hmm. Like, the Ice Cube thing was big at the time. So he was like, fuck you, Ice Cube. You know? wow. uh, like the, the whole crowd saying, fuck Ice Cube. And then <laughs> Ghost and Ray and Kappa come on, and it was kind of like, eh. It shocked me. Mm. Shocked wow. me. But I have you ever seen Ghost talk about that album? Like, he's... he's in pieces. In pieces. I think... He said that he was just diagnosed with diabetes at that time. So it was like uh, something else happened, too. So it was like a dark time in his life. So he doesn't really care for that album. Yeah, my my uh, my, my good friend Barry, um, a.k.a. Disco Vietnam, who executive produced this album with me, that had the beats, he always maintains that Iron Man's a breakup album. Hmm. Like that is, like Wildflower is definitely someone he was deeply in love with who cheated on him right before his album was made. <laughs> and then him spending the rest of the album, like in deep pain, but like rebelling and acting even more wild than ever as a result <laughs> of being cheated on by somebody he loves. <sighs> so that's, that was always interesting to me too. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I got to meet ghost in like Oh nine in Philly when, um, wizard of poetry dropped. Mm-hmm. He did like an in store that day. There was like an Adidas store. And I, I stood in line, you know, and I got him the autograph. I brought my copy of Iron Man, and I was like, yo, this album has changed my life. Like, this is my favorite piece of music. So, like, thank you for this. And he was he was distracted, like, Trife, Trife to God, Trife Diesel mm-hmm. was next to him. He wasn't really paying attention to me. And once I started saying that, he was like, oh, word? Like, really? I was like, this is my favorite album ever mm-hmm. of anything. And he was like, why? He was like taken back. He was like, oh, really? oh shit. And he was like signing. He got me up. You know, he took pictures, which is crazy. But I was like very sincere about that. But I, it makes sense if it was, you know, like a dark time. He's not going to go back to that much. You know what I mean? Yeah. So why didn't you produce any of the music on the album? I did. I only did one beat. So uh, towards the end of the record, Knife Behind the Smile uh, with Castro and Scorsese. Uh, rest in peace. Um on my end, it was just, I've been on such a roll the last like two, three years, just rhyming all the time. 
and it was it was it was out of necessity because my my system i had a brand new midi i had a whole laptop i had all these things hooked up and there were just so many problems i was getting with production where i was just like this is stressing me out so much i don't even want to deal with this so i had a brand new 50 key midi gorgeous keyboard just sitting there collecting dust for like a year um and so i was like i just i if i when i have time to create and i have pockets i just want to just work so the easiest thing for me to do is just rap and so i just got in a really good spot of just writing for a lot of different records a lot of different features and my stuff my friend stuff and i was just like well this has been working so far just because i'd never just been like probably from the only time i was like just a rapper was like 98 to like oh two that was the only time i was like just rapping i wasn't doing anything else but after that i started like doing production then i started like handling a lot of people's records and then like running a label and then like uh, writing for blogs and then all this other shit so when, when i was forced to just pare it down to just rhyming for a couple of years straight and nothing else it helped me just like be really focused and just tap in and and it was like a lot easier too like all the years of doing it you really just you know it's not as difficult <laughs> so with this album i was just like i felt really good like i said working with ray west and chong wizard and small pro and and disco vietnam and my friend barry we have been doing records for years and we've been good friends so he was just he was just making beats every day like two three beats a day some he they were fire and he was just deleting them he was like whatever I don't care. I'll make more tomorrow. And he would be posting them on IG, like sending me like private links and sending me. And I was just like, this is crazy. Like, I can't even keep up with this dude. Like everything you send me, I would rap on. So I wanted to just, and I was, you know, friends, with a lot of other people too. So people were just hit me with so much stuff that I liked. I was just like, man, I, sh- I need to get like one credit on this album. Yeah. So so the only beat I had on there, Knife Behind the Smile, was a beat I made in like 07. <laughs> and I went back and found it and just like cleaned it up and added some stuff to it. But the main loop and the main chops, like that beat is 14 years old. You know what I mean? I just went back. So for me, I was like, this this would fit. It had an Iron Man energy to it when I was playing it back. When I found it in my hard drive, I was like, whoa. So I was like, all right, if I could just get one credit off, I'm good. Because everyone else, you know, like Small Pro was on the record twice. And like I said, Disco Vietnam. I'm like, these dudes are just like, they're at the top of their game. It would be stupid for me to try to force the issue and be like, I need to hang with them. Or like, nah, it's my album. I need to make the best beats. It was just like, the best use of my time is getting the best beats from people that are making their best shit. And I'm like, really flexing lyrically at a time where I feel like, okay, I can do these things pretty quickly and feel really confident. So um, that answers that. It was the matter of convenience and laziness, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> okay, your hooks are often throwbacks to classic songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, one example of that is Merv Griffin Enterprises, where you use a biggie lyric. Um, mm-hmm. What comes to you first? The title of the song, the hook, or the verses? Mm. 
Hand me the paper with the federal seal, you know the deal I want the fucking fortune like the wheel, uh-uh Hand me that paper with the federal seal, you know the deal I want the fucking fortune like the wheel, yo Rap came along, then it incentivized and syndicate me Merv Griffin Enterprises, never jeopardizing My fans double daily, see me at the bar, don't ever buy me Bailey's I'm lactose, rhymes is exacto, shouts to Castro Playing Don Cartagena by Fat Joe, used to call me Fatso Then I dropped a baby wave, never wore the drunken monkey or the baby than Abe, still hungry like men bleak or hand it down, Philly rap shows yo, they just stand around, they ain't impressed by shit, so it made me this, I got my fans with the crazy niche, hey yo, rap came along, then it incentivized this, syndicate me, Merv Griffin Enterprises. That's a great question dude, um, there's another part in there um, that ties into Merv, and Gr- Merv Griffin Enterprises. Um, I, I got the idea for it from, I was listening to All City, and they have a song called Priceless that Pete Rock did, and it was a B-side to the actual, which is my favorite premier beat. And so I always talk about All City because it's the worst album ever with like the three or four greatest songs. So they have the line on there, um, hand me the paper with the federal seal, you know the deal. Biggie, I want the fucking fortune like the wheel. Um, so I was just playing it one day and I was like, this is too hot. Like this is, this is crazy. So, so Barry sent me the beat and I, I like when producers send me beats with like interesting titles. Cause then it helps me like f- take my imagination places. And that doesn't happen that much anymore, but it used to a lot. So he sent me the beat and it was called Merv Griffin Enterprises. And I was like, oh shit. I remember that from the end of fucking Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune. So I was like that title's crazy. Like, how could I flip that? And I was like, and I was just playing the all city record when they say, you know, I want the paper with the federal seal. You know, the deal. I want the fucking fortune like the wheel. And I was like, yo, it just like snaps into place. So mostly when I do my hooks like that, it's really just, you know, Easter eggs for people, you know, that are like diehard heads from a certain era for them to be like, I know what that is. You know what I mean? Um, or if they don't, you know, maybe like three years from now, will catch it the same way, you know, like a lot of, a lot of records we grew up on in the nineties was callback to seventies records, like soul and funk and disco. So like all the old woo hooks are them flipping disco joints. You know what I mean? Cause that was their era of songs they grew up on, you know, like, um, you know, like I don't even discover like, you know, like I don't know how many years ago on, a the intro to um, Daytona 500, you know, we are the G-O-D, like them flipping that shit. <laughs> and I was like, oh shit. And then even they do the, all these MC star, Rhea. like that's flipping turn the beat around. You know what I mean? Like it's always been embedded in what we do because we're just, you know, parroting the stuff we remember as kids. That was fun. Our parents were playing or whatever. So for me, it's like, I have those lines in my head all the time anyway, just being like a rap maniac my whole life. So I'm always like, if I'm in album mode, I'm like, if I'm in the shower and I have this line in my head for from a, a random Keith Murray line, I'm using it. Like there's something I'm going to tunnel it into. And then I, I've always been a fan too of like when you hear a, a rapper's line and you're like, dude, that's like the most memorable part of the song. And yet it wasn't the hook. I'm going to now make that a hook. Like I'm going to take that part the same way that when you're a producer, you'll hear, you'll be somewhere and hear something 
in a movie or like out of dinner or in someone's car and you hear a song and you hear like the one little part, you're like, Oh my God, like why did no one ever touch this? Like, what is this song? I need to take that part. So I have the same idea when it comes to, you know, like doing lyrics like that because it's, it's just fun for me. You know what I mean? It's like, it's a way for me to, to tap in and help, you know, and I'm hoping I'm always hoping I'm always excited when people catch those things and be like, ah, I know where that's from. Because it's like rewarding for me when I catch it, when other people do it. Like I remember, like Elusa was doing that. I forget what song he did it on. And uh, I remember seeing him, and I was like, I got that. It was like it was a common lyric he said, and I was like, I caught that from you. Um, so I remember like feeling like, ooh, you know, like we're connected. So I hope to uh, <laughs> have people get the same reaction when they catch my stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. I caught it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. On the song $5 God, you talk about how millennials will never be Christians and you go on to say we took God and remixed it. Mm-hmm. How have millennials remixed God? That said, stay away from rabbits, too dangerous. Go to school and put some money in your savings. But I was thrilled seeking little dick racing. Shoplifting silk boxer shorts and big razors. Small time crooks who nibble on the edges. My man who did the most dirt, his father was a reverend. We were so young, we'll hit tomorrow in a second. I throw heat like random bar, now you just catch it. Used to drown my sorrows by the bottle, lift the crawls from the liquor store. My man, 35, eating cheesesteaks and bullies, mozzarella, and yo, he taking Lipitor. Why? The South Philly diet gonna kill us all. What? Donuts is federal. Cold cut cholesterol. Never had one raw vegetable. So when the soda tax came like a wrecking ball, man, we clinging to the things that's gonna dead us all. Less is more, always do more and say less. Less is more, always do more and say less. And when you want tour, your freestyle is the best. And when you come home, your whole life is a mess. Destination addiction. You had it all like KD, you moved and still bitching. Us millennials will never be Christians. Only place our faith in statistics. We think the universe and the secret is gonna fix it. We took God and remixed it. No one wanna worship no five dollar God. Kick away the ladder when you make it to the top. The flames you don't wanna stoke. It's like fighting with your mother though. Man, it makes you learn some things you don't wanna know. I can't get back what I lost. I'm living off experience and education never comes free. I paid the cost. In my youth, I committed black deeds, but I'm growing now. No Sunday nights drinking low and brown. Head hurts like a caffeine drink, Joe now. Shout the rap dads, this is what they know about. Less is more, always do more and say less. Less is more, always do more and say less. When you want tour, your freestyle is the best. When you come home, your whole life is a mess. It's the G-O-D. Where's your get em? It's the It's the G-O-D. What? It's the G-O-D. Rest in peace, P. Because I think like I'm I'm a geriatric millennial. I'm like year one millennial. So when I say that, I'm not like shitting on millennials. That's why I said we. You know what I mean? Even though people wouldn't consider like millennial, um, but it's like it's this idea of like data and analytics and metrics and algorithms, and then also like this 
this idea of the universe and speaking it into existence, you know, like the universe is going to give you what you need. Like say it, like, you know, have a vision board, like have a dream board. And that's like, like I went to Catholic school for 12 years. I was an altar boy. I'm like, that's the same thing as like praying and asking God for shit. It's the same thing. Like, Hey God, can you please help me pass this science test? And what, if you do, then I'll, you know, help an old lady cross the street or I'll carry my grandmom's groceries or some shit. Right. It was like still a transactional relationship <laughs> with your kid, whatever your denomination is. So when I see people do that now of like, you know, it's all the universe and it's all, you know, I'm really just the algorithms have what, and the likes and all that. It's just like, I've just noticed like a, I've noticed more and more godless people and because they haven't ever looked at anything in a real way that follows like an actual process of, you know, worship, forgiveness, tithing, you know, sacraments. Like when people don't have that in their lives at all, whatever their background is, you see what else they put in its place. And so that song, like I, don't, I only have like one little part in there where I say it and the rest is just me rapping. You know what I mean? But, um, it, it was like interesting because it was actually like a discussion I was having with my wife's friend where she said it in passing. She was like, no one wants to worship a $5 God. And I was like, wait, hold on. Let me like write that down. That's like some profound, cool shit to say. And I just liked the way it looked like saying like $5 God. Like I remember like, uh, you know, like a lucid had a song called like, you know, many face God or like God of a thousand faces. And, uh, there's a Joseph Campbell book called that, you know, the God with a thousand faces. So I was always like, that would be an interesting song title. Like if I just saw that somewhere, I'd want to hear that song. So I just kind of touch on it. And that part of the song that you quoted, and then I just kind of move on with the rest of the record. Right. Um, but that was like the impetus. I was like, if I'm going to say this, I at least need to say w- what I'm viewing and seeing, you know, people, my age, people younger than me. Um, and like what they've, replace the institution of like getting up and going to church and like getting dressed and be like, you know, giving money. <laughs> so what's been put in its place is a lot of different things, but um, it's, I'm, I'm glad I did it. And we made it the opener because I didn't want it to be the opener of the record. Actually, Barry pushed me because he was like, it's a subversive song. So it's like a Radiohead record, like Radiohead opens our albums with like subversive songs. They don't pick like the opener. It's a song to get people like, huh, what else is happening now? This is interesting shit. So like all credit to him because that was not my choice to open a record, but he was right. He nailed it. Okay. You have a song on Vegas Vic called Vamoose where you say you want to cut someone off, start a family. And that's such a truthful lyric. Um, why do you believe people disappear when we start new chapters in our lives? Cut someone off, just start a family. Half the people from my wedding I don't ever see. Poof, vamoose, son of a bitch, yo. Poof, vamoose, son of a bitch, yo. You wanna cut someone off, just start a family. Half my people from my wedding I don't ever see. Poof, vamoose, son of a bitch, yo. Poof, vamoose, son of a bitch, yo. 
Merch in the mail, I'm about to ship that Hold me at guns that never kick back I sit back, think about my rap career And all my years being whack Oh my god, I'll never get back But that made me a clock stopper Man posture Would assign the bad boy to murder half the roster Shouts to Chief Dev and Black Rob Stack the odds like slot machines Drop gems like Socrates, yo I had a lot of dreams that never came true But all my bills paid because I paid dues My money clean cut, my face is always hairy Writing songs for the death like Nick Oliveri I'm still going because rappers don't retire We fall off, we get day jobs, we're uninspired We leave it off our resume and trying to get hired Digging through some TDRs like I used to spit fire why my exes follow my exes on Instagram? We broke up 10 years ago, see I don't really get the math. I play it cool, season 10 playing couscous. Half you cats are radicalized off YouTube. You wanna cut someone off, just start the family. Half the people from my wedding I don't ever see. Poof, bamboo son of a bitch, hey, yo. Poof, bamboo son of a, yo. You wanna cut someone off, just start the family. I'm, I'm glad you, I'm glad that registered with you, man. It's, um, it was just like something that occurred to me just driving one day, like rapping. All I do is like rap in my car or like walk around and rap, you know, freestyle. And I'll just kind of just say things and I'll just kind of roll with it. So when I said that one day, I was just like thinking back to all the failed rap matrimonies I had in my life with guys I knew for 20 years or eight years or 10 years or four years. And we were like, thick as thieves hanging together every day doing shows and albums and then we would have a falling out and i was just like you know i've I've been married now for what it'll be seven years in october so i've been married for seven years you know and once you get married and my, my son will be six in october like once you get married have family like you really pare things down because you don't have a choice you can't obviously do if you want to be like a good parent like a good husband or wife you can't just be at the clubs and bars and going to ball games all time stay in the studio four nights a week so for me i was just like man i remember just like looking at my my wedding picture like the bridal and groom's party and i'm like yo like i don't even talk to some of these motherfuckers like i don't see them you know and there's no beef it's just like you know we just aren't settled in like the way we were before like you said like your life takes on that new chapter so it was just something interesting I thought about where I was just like, you know, if you want to cut someone off, I started thinking like all these falling outs I had with dudes and they would threaten me or I would see them at a show and we're like staring each other down and I'm on stage like, yo, I dare you to come on stage and put your hands on me and having, it was just like all this stupid shit. And I was just like, I didn't need to go through all that. I could have just got married at 25 and I would have never had to deal with these dudes again, except I got married when I was... 33 you know it could have been a lot easier to not have these people around that and i don't talk to them you know i mean and and like you're you're right it's like certain people you just you just outgrow them like they're there for a certain time you're there together and then you kind of diverge paths and and most of the time you know there's no love lost it's like hey you know i'll see you when i see you and people get it you know but uh that song was just kind of touching on that in the chorus. So people of a certain age and certain lifestyle, like seem to re- that, 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 that seems to resonate with them more than others. Definitely. Definitely. It was nail mm. on the head, man. That's exactly what happens. It's like, 
Nah, I, I won't get into it. Uh, <laughs> I won't get into that. I, I, yeah. I and I strongly it's, suggest real quick so people true. to they heard they like that song, check out the Vamoose remix that we dropped before the original dropped on uh, the Wreck and Crew Project Steel's Kitchen, where it's me, Alaska, and Stan Epkiss, three certified rap dads, and we go in like more so on that topic where those dudes talk about the same thing, like. Yo, dudes, I know that are still dressing like they're 25 and they're 44. Like, what are you doing? You know, <laughs> got moved on from that shit. I might take offense to that. <laughs> <laughs> but you'll yeah, hear why. Listen, listen to the song. Listen, I, listen know, to the song first. Funny. Listen to the song I, first. I, I might dress like I'm 25, but I dress for comfort. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. No, he, 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 means, he means like, I forget how Alaska says it. He says, like, you're dressing. Oh, he says, you dressing like you're Eminem. I'm dressing like I'm Idlewild. That's what Alaska says. That's, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's funny. That's all Steel's Kitchen. Yeah, it's a Bad Moose remix, remix by uh, Jason Griff. That's the Griff. Okay. All right, man. Last question. Who is sure. the, who is the Vegas Vic album made for? It's me. It's made for me first. You know what I mean? Like I don't I don't I'm at the stage in my life anymore where, you know, if we sold four copies and got nine streams, like it would be a success. Like I don't I don't look at it as like it's, you know, it needs to compete with all these other people in a certain spot anymore. It's like the people that like me and, and rock with me, you know, if it's for me first and it's for them afterwards, honestly. Because it's not about um like it's funny, like my Spotify numbers, like my, I'm trying to get my streams up. I look at my demographics, like my, my my key demographic is like men 35 to 44, and I'm like that makes sense. Like if I was 22, I wouldn't listen to me. <laughs> like I'd be like this dude's old as shit. Shut up, you know? Like it wouldn't be something that I could relate to much, you know, unless I was a very like serious old soul and had my life figured out, which I definitely didn't. So I think this album is um, if if you if you have a deep love, you know, for East coast rap and you're into, you know, picking up on those breadcrumbs I throw out there, there's a lot of them. Then it's for you. If, if you don't like East coast rap and you don't like hearing people just getting busy, like, I don't know what to say. You know what I mean? It's, that's, that's a hard pass. That's quite okay. But I'm, I'm really, really grateful for having the audience I have because three, four years ago, it was a fraction. And then three, four years ago, it was a fraction of that. And three, four years before that was a fraction of that. So it's like locking in with people to like have release day come and people are like excited to get the record is like a newer phenomenon. And uh, I like that. You know what I mean? But I was also there like putting things out, you know, and you just throw it. You don't know what the hell's happening. You don't know who's playing it. What's going on. It's a download link somewhere. Like, you're hoping to do some shows and get off some CDs at the show or some tapes. So um, the people that do enjoy it, then I'm really grateful. But overall, like if I didn't like it, it wouldn't be out. You know what I mean? Like, this bottom line, it's it's really for me because that's if if I'm not digging it, like you know, like like you know how it feels. We were talking about Ghostface earlier, but like I think what we love about a lot of those records from our favorites, especially when they're younger, it's not so much that they didn't get better with age. It's just like when they're younger, the, the rush of like spontaneity and joy and, uh, and like discovery is like always there. 
early on. And as they get deeper in their career, it's like, oh, this is my job. You know, like I have to be here for this. I have to talk to a dude off stage when I get off this show. Like, you know, if I don't put out a record this year, I can't make money. If I don't hit the road, I, I'm, I can't pay my rent. Like it's, it truly just becomes like punching a clock. Whereas early on, it's like, holy shit, I don't have to go to school. I don't have to get a job. I can just like get high and be with my friends. Like this is the best. So I think that tr- how do you keep triggering that exploratory spot spontaneous feel because listeners pick up on it. You know what I mean? Like you can hear, you know, if you're a woo die hard like me, you can hear when on the woo albums when they stopped liking each other, you, you can hear the records. You know what I mean? Like totally. it's very present where it's like, it sounds like, this dude came in at 3 p.m. to just do some shit. This guy came in at 9 p.m. And then this guy put it together versus like we're all hanging out and I'm trying to get the best verse off because we're both here for 12 hours kicking it. We have nothing else to do. So I think for my album, too, it's like if I don't have that that need or desire to want to do something, and that's a testament to the producers and to Barry Disco Vietnam for executive producing, like if these people weren't giving me that feeling, then – I wouldn't put it out, you know what I mean? Because I don't, I don't want to waste anybody's time. So if I got nothing to say or do, I'm not going to do stuff just to be seen. So I want to keep it engaging and fresh and fun. And so for you to open up the show saying like I have, you know, quietly like one of the past albums, I'm like, wow, that's that's high praise because I listen to a lot of albums this year, and I I think my album's like a very straightforward, simple thing. You know what I mean? It's not like this puzzle piece and all these all these different things happening which i love so um it's it's cool to to have a connect you know honestly like that's that's really i'm in in my basement now where most of the album was recorded next to all my son's toys which you can't see off screen (laughs) so to be in this place where i do my podcast also most of us haven't left the house as much as we wanted to and still have a way to you know go through the worst time ever and still want to make something cool and that you enjoy and people enjoy, um, we're lucky. You know what I mean? Like to to still be able to to do it, and then you know, lucky enough to people acknowledge it and want to talk to me about. It. So that's really cool. Dope, man. All right, <laughs> Zillaraka. Yeah. Thank you for joining the Real Hip Hop podcast. Of course, of course, man. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. The real. Right now we should start the show.